Well, good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. This Sunday includes our children's Christmas program, and we will look at the passage of the Magi as they come from the east to inquire of King Herod concerning the location of the birth of the Messiah. We will look at today's prophetic word from the book of Micah. Thanks for joining us today as we discover that the shepherds as they came out of the fields weren't the only shepherd present in the stables on that Christmas evening. Man, that blessed my heart today. Way to go, McIntyre's. <clears throat> well, when I was their age, I remember growing up in the church over in Carpenter and the children would be dismissed and we'd go downstairs. Uh, a great jolly man, John, would come out with his guitar, kind of like I do, and uh, he would have a song that I remember we would sing more often than not. Uh, it went like this. I just want to be a sheep. Bah. Do you remember that one everyone said? I just want to be a sheep. Bah. I think that there's a couple versions where you get to go bah, 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 and make all this sheep noise. Now, I remember being a kid, and I did not pay much attention to any of those lyrics except when I got to make sheep sounds. And a buddy of mine, his name was Mike, we used to compete to see who could be the loudest sheep. That's the type of kid I was. It wasn't until later, and some of you might know the rest of that song, I don't want to be a Pharisee, right? Because they're not fair, you see. And I don't want to be a Sadducee, because they're just sad, you see. I just want to be a sheep. And I didn't really pay attention to those lyrics until you realize what you're actually saying, that you want to be a sheep. Think with me now for a minute. Who wants to be a sheep? Has you ever seen a sheep? They're smelly. They're dumber than a box of nails. But who wants to be a sheep? Because if you're a sheep, this means that somebody else is going to be determining what you should think and how you should act and how you should behave and what you should love and what you should value. And I'd rather be in charge of those things. I know on good word that even one of our elders put this in writing at one point, that he never wanted to be a sheep. Oh, deep down, deep down, all of us have the echo of that early, early curse in the Garden of Eden, that we would rather make our own rules, that we would rather go our own way. We'd rather do things the way we want after the things we love than have any God above us be the one who's telling us what to do because you know what that makes you and I? You know what that makes us? It makes us sheep. Bah. This morning, we're going to be continuing in this series that's examining the birth of our Savior through the lens of the gospel writers who did not have any of the baggage that we have in our contemporary world. When, when you and I think of baby Jesus in the manger, this is what we think of, right? I mean, this is, I don't even know what he's doing here with his, with his hands. It looks like he, oh boy. There right? we go. This is what we think of when we think of baby Jesus. And as far as our culture is concerned, keep them there. As far as the world cares, that's about as quaint as will be permitted the recognition of what happened on that Christmas morning. The gospel writers don't have any of that baggage. In fact, they approach the birth of our Savior in a way that we've missed 
in our world. And in fact, in many churches, because what they did is they saw the fulfillment of that which had been prophesied. Everything that they reported to the church through the writing of these four Gospels is going to continually find confirmation of that which has already been said by the prophets. And so this morning, we're going to attempt to do that same thing. We're going to look at the story of how the star showed up. We're going to see that that story fits in our Advent season. For our candle this morning is the Star of Peace, sometimes referred to as the Bethlehem Star. And after this, we'll have our children to come and present to us the exact same story. You and I, in our devotion this morning, are going to attempt to see this story, though, through the eyes of those very first gospel writers, because we're going to read it through the lens of the prophets. To do this, we're going to begin, as we've already heard this morning, in Matthew's gospel. Turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read about the story of three kings of the east. Help me out here. Three kings who were following a star. Beautiful star of Bethlehem. Shining afar through shadows dim. Uh, This story of the Magi is one that's going to produce for us a recognition of a fulfillment to which the gospel writers and listening to the chief priests record for you and I today. That's the path we're going to walk for this morning. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1, Matthew records. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has spoken. And then we have this quote from the book of Micah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house... They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country another route. All right, we'll pause there. A few little considerations just before we look into the prophetic word of the book of Micah. Um, It's worth noting that the Advent um, depictions of nativity that you have on your uh, mantles at home and and dining room tables, they are incorrect. For uh, This is happening sometime after Jesus' birth, but that's okay. Uh, It's all right for us to combine those together. I just want us to make sure that we're clear on this timeline. Additionally, one of the things that I want you to observe for this day is that as you and I have heard this story of that nativity moment where there's no room in the inn, and so Mary and J.S. Joseph find themselves in the stables, which is more likely a cave type of setting, 
Who were the first, there's a quiz here, who were the very first people having been told by angels in the sky to go and see the Christ who was born? Who were, what was the, what was the, that's right, their profession, they were shepherds. What we're going to find this morning is that it, it wasn't actually the first shepherd from the fields that made it into the stables. There was already a shepherd there. That's what we're going to find this morning. There was already a shepherd present. It's just not the shepherd that you might think. With that in mind, I want us to look in greater depth into that prophetic word that the chief priests delivered to Herod, for they were correct. Turn with me into your Old Testament book of Micah. Small little book after the major prophets in the minor prophets. You'll know the story of Jonah. If you can navigate to Jonah, it's just one book further in your Old Testament scriptures. Micah chapter 5. And what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to read more than just that one little nugget that was given in Matthew's gospel. Because I want us to see the context around this prophecy that's speaking to the coming of the Christ child. So Micah chapter 5. If you found it, give me an amen. Amen. All right. Sounds like most of us are there. Micah chapter 5. Marshal your troops, O city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, One who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth. And the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the Strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely. For then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. Pretty amazing, isn't it? I mean, all we had in Matthew's gospel was this, was this little part of it. In fact, uh, from those teachers of the law, it was a bit of a summation of what's happening here. It, in fact, it leaves out a few parts that we find in Micah, and it combines some parts that Micah includes a little bit later. What I'd like us to do as we walk through this is just make a few key observations. The first is this. As we're speaking of this chosen one, what we know is that it will not be determined by might. Whoever this is that is going to come for me, declares the Lord, you can see them coming from what tiny little town? The tiny little town of, if you're Hebrew uh, or Jewish, Bet-Lachem. So Bet means house, Lechem means bread. It was the house of bread. It was a bakery. They had a bakery there. This was the place that was known for baking bread. They also had a history uh, with um, raising lambs. Uh, The story all the way back into the Old Testament of Rachel having a connection with Bethlehem means that that was part of the industry there as well. 
this tiny little town in the middle of nowhere. Sound familiar? Tiny little town. You would have blinked if you drove by and missed it. Uh, What we need to know is that as God is going to choose this one, this one who comes from him is not coming with pomp. He's not coming with loud trumpets, fanfare. It's not by might. It's not by power. In fact, it's completely different than the way each and every other king has come to be known. You guys remember the story of Saul in the Old Testament? If you were to read that in 1 Samuel, you'll see that Saul, part of the reason he was chosen, the text says, because he was the most good-looking guy in all of Israel. He said he was taller than, yeah, I like it, taller than most people in Israel. They're, they're going to make the good-looking guy king. That was their plan. In fact, this was so prevalent, even after Saul is going to be deposed and God's going to bring King David afterwards, uh, the prophet is going to go to Jesse's home and Jesse lines up all of his boys to display before the prophet for the new one to be chosen king. And do you remember how he lines them up? From the oldest all the way down to the youngest, except that tiny runt who's out in the shepherd field. We're not even going to include him. Why? Because what was the thought? What was the mindset when it comes to the one we're going to choose? We're going to choose the one who has power, has strength, who's good looking, who has abilities. That's the one we're going to choose. That's not how God chooses. Little reminder from you that comes from Paul's instruction to the Corinthian church. By the way, I would call this the American church. So this applies to me and you today. This is from 1 Corinthians. Paul says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Now, do we struggle with pride in our country? Yeah. Yeah. Do we struggle with pride in our town? Do we struggle with pride, period? Yeah. This is a good reminder for us that this chosen one is coming from Bethlehem, this little house of bread. They're coming from the bakery. Little, tiny, amongst all the clans. That's where God is going to choose. Secondly, I want you to see that the chosen one is a ruler, but he's not any ruler. The text here tells us that he is a ruler of old. Now, this was missing in Matthew's recording, but if you look with me back into the text uh, into verse 2, you will see it. Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old. Uh, Literally, the strictest rendering of that Hebrew phrase is origins are from eternity. Looking as far back as back can go, those are the origins of this one. Which for Micah means this cannot be any natural ruler. We are looking for a ruler who's not natural, but who is supernatural. It's an important reminder for us. Important reminder, especially in the time of Herod, for they were looking for just another king. You might, in fact, realize that's why they left this part out. Did you catch that? When we read it in Matthew, they left that part out of the instruction to Herod. 
Herod knows that his own appointment was given through the Romans, one that had to be seen through the building of many buildings, many edifices. Uh, Herod had to make sure that his kingship was known uh, with might and power. We see already that's not how God chooses, for there is another who this speaks of, and it's not Herod. We're looking for a supernatural person, one whose origins are from eternity. John helps us capture this best of all in his very first verse of his gospel. You know it, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This is why we look to Jesus. So these are two very first observations that we can see. One final one, just to keep it short for this morning. The chosen one is a shepherd. You will see this if you jump down to verse four. This was the um, summation that was given through those chief priests that we read in Matthew two. Verse four says, he will stand and shepherd his flock. I wanna make a point just to highlight for you that is not the way in which our world so often thinks of rulers. Think of those who we put in charge in our country. Ooh, let's be careful how political we get this morning, right? Right. If you look at some of the characteristic lives of elected, offic- elected officials even, how, how easy is it in our world to forget the reason why you were appointed? You were not appointed to rule with a heavy hand or with might or with your agenda. Those who are appointed high, according to Jesus, are actually to take the lowest position in order to serve. I want us to see that the baby Jesus that we see in the manger, he is a ruler of supernatural origin, but he comes as a shepherd. This encouragement that from the Apostle Peter from 1 Peter 5, this is speaking to elders in the church. Be very careful, elders, that you do not think your appointment is one that's putting you up here. You're wrong. That is not what it is. This is what Peter says. To the elders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds. There's our word. It's the exact same thing that we see happening in Micah. He will be a shepherd. So be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, who do we think that is? It's a great title for him, isn't it? The chief shepherd, when he appears, you'll receive a crown of glory that'll never fade away. Three observations of this chosen one, which for you and I present for us through the gospel writers, the lens to see who are we talking about? Who are we talking about here? This chosen one is, help me out, this is Jesus. So here's some conclusions I want us to wrap up with. First, Jesus's entrance into our world is humble. Second, Jesus's birth is recognized as the birth of a king. And thirdly, Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. Jesus comes in humility. I'm not sure it can get any more humble than that. I mean, not only the manger, but just think of the way in which the the betrothal went. The tension between Joseph and Mary, Joseph requiring a vision from God. Not to divorce quietly this woman who is now pregnant, but to trust God. Could there be a more humble birth he comes as a king can't miss this the magi come from the east what's the song say they traveled afar yeah 
When's the last time you rode a camel? Show of hands. Oh, I had one. That's right. Wasn't expecting that, Sandy. Yeah. How far? From the east? How far, right? Why are they making this journey? They are coming to acknowledge the birth of a king. And listen, if that is their response, think with me now. The response of these kings to do one of these numbers right here. A king. They have their own country. And this is how they find their posture before this child. What about you and I on Christmas? Are we so willing to humble ourselves? Or has the manger nativity scene become so familiar that we forget it's a king? He's a king. He's born to rule. And his rule will be in the strength and the might of God Almighty. And as that is depicted for you and I, it's depicted through that of shepherding. That's the way in which God has sent Messiah, his chosen one, to not rule over us with this kind of heavy-handed might. And I know there's worth an amen in your life because do you know how your day would be going if God treated you fairly? Is he not patient with you? Is he not long-suffering and kind, slow to anger with you? What, what mercies we receive daily from the kindness of God who sends his, sent his son both to die and be resurrected and now appointed, seated at the right hand of God the Father with every authority, all the rule, every right that ever could be given for his authority on this earth. And yet he is patient with us. That's what it means to shepherd. Now, you and I were given appointments both in business, in job, in, in, um, in the church, and in our families. There is some sphere in your life where you are going to be able to model that which Jesus shows us in this shepherding. So um, I want you to see, first of all, that his title here, this is a, the end of Hebrews. He is called the great shepherd of the sheep. And so Jesus being the shepherd, modeling for you and I, I want us to give some reflection over what can we learn from this. Here's my challenge to us today. Number one, uh, I want you to pursue humility. The chosen one is not chosen by might or power. Don't fall into the world systems that think you've got to perform. Remember that verse from 1 Corinthians? Paul says, think of what you were when you were called. Some of us here are still in the process of being humbled. If you belong to God, if you are God's son or daughter, there's two ways that he's going to shape you. One or the other. Either you will approach him in humility or he will humble you. It's one or the other. If you, belong, if you don't belong to him, you won't find any of that in your life. But if you do, let me encourage you today. Don't fall prey to the system of the world around us that teaches us incorrectly how to treat one another, how to treat those who we're married to, how to treat those children under our care. Pursue humility with your life. That's what Jesus has done. Secondly, I want us to remember again, as I've already said, to welcome Jesus as a king. This is what the Magi do. The only correct perspective on Christmas does not leave Jesus in the manger, but sees him elevated on high. And so remember that. Whatever you do this Christmas season, every present and card that you write and give, give it in the name and honor of your king. 
If he is your king, then acknowledge him as king in your life in every sphere. You probably aren't going to have to make some super long journey like the Magi did. I doubt anybody here has a kingdom even remotely close to the one that they had. And if they can do it, so can what? So can us. So can we. So, honor him as king. And then lastly, this is a great question. If Jesus is the shepherd, what does that make you? (laughs) Yeah. If Jesus is the shepherd, I hope you're a sheep. Even if you don't want to be. But if you are... If you are a sheep, then understand, you don't get to decide how you live and behave and act. You don't get to decide those things which you're going to adhere to that are popular or unpopular in this world. If you do, then maybe he's not your shepherd. But if he is your shepherd, then what does a sheep do? A sheep does what they're told. And when you don't listen, you get a whack on the behind, right? Is that what you do with a shepherd? That's why they have the staff. That's what they have the shepherd's crick for. Sometimes God's discipline in our lives is needed. We're going to wrap up this morning. And just before the children uh, prepare to come out, I'd love it if Penny or somebody could just head over there. Just give them a heads up. Or Thank you. Emily's got that. Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 10. We're going we're to conclude in John chapter 10 this morning. Uh, as you turn there. I'm just sing you a little song. I just want to be a sheep. Bye. I just want to be a sheep. Bye. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Bye. Help me out. I just want to be a sheep. Bye. John chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jump with me down to verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is uh, is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because... He's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. If he's, I'll just ask it one more time. If he is the shepherd, what does that make you? Help me out. All right, we're, we're struggling. Let's get it right, church. <laughs> And you can put a ball at the end of it if you want, all right? If he is the shepherd, what does that make us? Sheep. Sheep. Ah, Very good. Awesome. All right. Let me pray for us. Father, we pray today that you will help once more to break us from that idolatry of desiring to rule and run and order our lives after our will, after our own glory. We confess to you, God, that our world is corrupted and confused. Lord, you have taught us that anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I pray that we are willing to follow the shepherd 
who himself was persecuted and who warned us, if they treated him in this way, do not be surprised when they treat us similarly. God, there is no virtue of our own that we seek in this, rather only and singularly to glorify our God. And so we thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is the chosen one whose origins are from old. Thank you that you brought him with humility into this world, that we too can follow him through a path of humility. Thank you that he is king, coronated and crowned, ruling on high, that we can follow him to make him the king and the Lord of our lives. And Father, I pray that everybody today would gladly, willingly, and joyfully call themselves a sheep if we're following Jesus as our shepherd. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.